I want to I want to talk to you today about the foundation, what I believe to be the foundation of any successful family. And I want to talk about the man that every family needs. And I just want to honor the man that got chose to be the father of this house because he is the man that this family needs. And I'm talking about Pastor Kerry. Can we just send our love to him? Thank you, Pastor Kerry. We honor you as a father of this house. I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to anyways, because when I came to Tyler, I was 18 years old. There were so many things that I felt like I needed in my life, and, and one of those was the affirmation of a father. And the reason why I cling so hard to Pastor Kerry was because one day, after leading worship for the first time here at TFC, um, he said to me these words, he said, you did a really good job. I've never heard anybody said good job because he didn't follow up with, but this. He just left it at that. And I knew I had done terribly because I was 19 years old and I had never led worship in English before, so it was really bad. But he said, good job, and he loved me as a son, and I'm so thankful for Pastor Kerry. So, so thankful. So thankful. So the man that every family needs, and I think we have my slides. There they are. The man that every family needs. I feel like the Lord has given me a specific assignment this morning, and I want to Pray for the men of this house, young, old, seasoned, uh, married, uh, single, all men. I want to pray for all men because godly men are essential, an essential part to every family, to every church, to every community, to every nation. In fact, why don't you help me and tell Tell the men around you, if, you, if you're a lady, just tell the, the men around you, you are simply irreplaceable. Come on, just tell them. You're simply irreplaceable. Young, seasoned, married, single, you are simply irreplaceable. And I want to read Acts chapter 6, and I want to draw a few thoughts from Acts chapter 6. As soon as my clicker works, it'll be there. If not, I'll just read it to you. How's that? Oh, oh, a miracle <laughs> can happen now because the screens work. Great job. All right. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Greeks because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. 
Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Let's skip a couple verses to verse 5. And, they say, and, and this saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. What was the problem facing the church in these days, in this passage? The Greeks were upset at the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. In other words, I may just quit this. There were more tables to be served than servants. There were more tables to be served than servants. Not too long ago, I was talking to a single mom, a 37-year-old businesswoman with three kids, whose heart desire was to, or is to, find love again after a divorce eight years ago. The problem facing her is that there's no servants in her church. I know just like her many other women facing the same problem, not counting the many young ladies in their 20s who had never been married looking for a husband. In fact, I have a friend in the medical field, a 33-year-old single lady who's never been married and has not found the one. What is happening, what is the problem facing the church today? The same. There are more tables to be served than servants. Now, this doesn't only happen to single ladies. This also happens to married women, right? How many tables unattended are there today? I was talking to this lady the other day, first-time mom. She works outside the home, plus works in the home, plus serves in church. And her husband is a good guy, hard worker, um, serves in church, provides all of her financial needs. But unintentionally, this man has neglected his table spiritually and emotionally. Let's be honest, men. How many times has this happened to us? I know it has happened to me. We are good providers. We work hard. We pay the bills. We are there financially, but we forget to attend to our table spiritually and emotionally. But the word that Paul uses, or uh, rather in the book of Acts, the word in the book of Acts that describes the work of these men, the daily distribution of food is the word diakonia, right? And of course, this is where we see the first work of the deacons in the Scripture. But I want to suggest to you that God has called each one of us as men to be a deacon over our house. To, as the Word says, to serve daily and to minister daily to our families. 
So if you are a married man, your daily job is to serve your wife and your children and to minister to them daily. And before all the single men tune me out, I just want to suggest to you that God is, is wanting to prepare you to be a deacon over your own household one day. So you can start by serving your mother. You can start by serving your sister and your siblings, by helping a little bit around the house. Amen? And all the moms say, Amen! Amen. And what I want to emphasize about this word too is that the, the deacons were meant to serve and not to be served. This is not about authority or about submission, but this is about fulfilling the word of God as Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 about loving our wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm still yet to meet a happy marriage that is composed of 50 and 50. Happy marriages are composed of 100 and 100. Now, because of the need of servants, the Apostle Paul said in the next slide, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men. In other words, go everywhere, look everywhere, analyze with your own eyes who can fulfill this task. And today I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I have been on a search. I am ready to anoint men among you to serve and to minister to your families daily. How many men say amen? Amen. amen. I want to be that person. And again, single man, this is for you too. Because one of the biggest frustrations I have is to present to you an inspirational message, but bring no practical application to it. So, it, as I was praying, I said, Lord, how can we fix this problem? I can see the problem. I can see that there is more tables than servants. So what do we do, Lord? And he said, pray for the young men. Pray for the young men. So this message is as much for you as it is for those who are already in the game. Or who have been in the game for a long time. So... I want to, for the remaining of our time, I want to look at a list. Next slide. I want to look at the list of the men who were selected. The five qualities of the men that every family needs. Godly men are simply irreplaceable. We need these types of men in every family, in every church, in every community. This could be, listen, this could be the catalyst for the change that we really want to see in our nation. I've been so convicted by the Lord. The Lord asked me, why do you keep attacking the symptoms when you can attack the root? The family. The family. If the families are strongly committed to the presence of God, we would not even worried about what the world is doing. We need healthier families. We need healthier families. So the first quality of these men, next slide, is good 
reputation. Good reputation. Next slide. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. In other words, men who evidence God in their daily lives. Perhaps the easiest way for you and I to know if, if we are godly men is to answer this question, or rather have the people who live with us answer this question. What would your wife say about you? What would your children, if you have children at home, what would your children say about you? Will, will I be described as a man who lives what he preaches? Will I be described as a man who is uh, an example in conduct, in Love and spirit and in faith and in purity. Well, does my life evidence God? Does my life evidence God? A few years ago, if you would have asked me if I was a good father and a good husband, I would humbly have said, absolutely. Why? Because I have met some not so good husbands and fathers. But the reality is that my assessment of me is not accurate. It is actually inappropriate, right? It is inappropriate. It doesn't matter. My personal evaluation does not matter. Listen, I am a good husband when my wife says I'm a good husband. Because she lives with me. Now... My kids, maybe when they're a little older, they can maybe assess a little bit more. Right now, they're too small. Seven, five, and three, they haven't lived long enough to know, right? Maybe at some point they will, and maybe you're already there. But her testimony is what validates and endorses me as a husband and as a father. And that's why she's smiling right now. Thank you for that endorsement. I want to I quickly give you a, a simple equation that God gave me. Next slide. Let's call it math for parenting. How many of you like math? Okay. Bring out your glasses. Push them up. Let's go to class. Next slide. Discipline minus, next slide, reputation equals rebellion. Discipline minus reputation equals rebellion. If I tell my kids the right thing to do, but my reputation is not up to part, then I create rebellion in their hearts. Next slide. Now, next slide. Now, reputation minus discipline equals confusion. Reputation... Minus discipline equals confusion. If I live for the Lord, but I don't train up the ch a child in the way he should go, I create confusion. Because kids and teenagers are not supposed to have their lives figured out yet. They need somebody to show them the way. Right? They don't get to decide yet. They need instruction. A 60-year-old, 17-year-old still needs instruction. 18-year-old. Man, some 40-year-olds need instruction still. <laughs> so reputation 
minus discipline equals confusion. Now, the next slide. Now, this is what we want. Reputation plus discipline equals respect. And these are the kinds of leaders that people love to follow. These are the kind of parents that kids love to follow. Amen? Okay, so reputation, number one. Number two, next slide, led by, next, led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. Next slide. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. In other words, men led by the Spirit and His wisdom. Do you know what the easiest way to know whether or not I am a man of the Spirit is? Just answer this question. Who do I run to before making any decisions? Who do I run to before making any decisions? Could it be that I have the habit of consulting God before making any decisions? Could it be that I have the habit of praying and fasting and seeking God before giving my kids a yes or a no? Could it be that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides my steps. The word full, next slide, means occupied. In other words, there is no more room for anything else but His Spirit and His counsel. So the question then becomes is, am I being led by the Spirit or by my own understanding? Am I being led by the Spirit or by my own thoughts? Am I being led by the Spirit or by my reasoning or by my, my strength or by my logic? Am I being led by the Spirit or by the opinions of other people? I love what David uh, did in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30. The Amalekites had come in and, and they'd taken the families of David's army, including David's family, captive. And the story goes that when they saw what had happened, they all cried until they didn't have any more strength to cry. There was so much sadness and so much frustration that David's men spoke of stoning him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. And he inquired of the Lord. And he said, should I go after them? Will I be able to catch up to them? Will I be able to reach them? And the Lord said, follow them. David, a man of the Spirit, consulted God before acting out of impulsion. I have acted out of impulsion many, many times. In fact, uh, I remember one time, actually this happened quite some, uh, a lot of times actually. But I'll give you the, the most recent ones. Um, I told my wife a Saturday, a Saturday morning, I said, hey, we should, we should just go and browse for cars. You know, we should just look around, and we don't have to buy, you know. We'll just look around. And, and she said, well, I'm going, but we're not going to buy anything. Absolutely, honey. Let's just go to the dealership, look around. It's going to be awesome. So we stopped at the first dealership. And I was greeted by this well-dressed, handsome young man. Man, he needs to be a preacher. He's very convincing. <laughs> and he said, he said, oh, I just want to show you this, you know, uh, no pressure. And so I went in the car and said, hey, we're just going to go real quick, real quick. Well, long story short, five hours later, we were driving off with the car. 
And I paid for it dearly, dearly. So in my life, I always wonder, you know, am I being led by the Spirit or by my emotions? Am I being led by the Spirit or by the pressure of those around me? Am I being led by the Spirit or am I being led by the circumstances around me? A man of the Spirit. Next slide. A man, a wise man consults God before anything else. Let's put it up. A, a wise man consults God before anything else. Young man, I'm going to save you a lot of money. Write it down. Write it down. A wise man consults God before anything else. All right. Quality number three. So two, led by the Spirit. Three, full of faith. Full of faith. Next slide. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen a man full of faith. And next slide. And Stephen did great wonders and signs among the people. How do I know if I am a man full of faith? Easy. A man full of faith makes room for the supernatural in his daily life. A man full of faith makes room for the supernatural in his daily life. In my home, we have three rules. Aside from these three rules, we're pretty flexible. Just don't tell our kids. But we are. Rule number one, honor your parents. Rule number two, lying is never an option. You tell the truth even if it's going to cost you. And number three, we always pray first. We always pray first. And not too long ago, Jonathan, our oldest, our youngest, right there, he's sleeping. He does not endorse my preaching, by the way. He's just sleeping. So uh, he, he, had a, he had a rash in his ear and part of his neck. And, and so I called him and I said, Jonathan, we're going to pray first. And, um, and Jesus is going to heal you. So we prayed for a couple seconds. And after a few seconds, we checked, expecting the rash to be gone. So we checked, and the redness was still there. The bumps were still there. So I told Jonathan, we're going to pray again. So I put my hands on his head, and I prayed. And after a few seconds, we checked, expecting the rash to be gone. And the redness was, was gone, but the bumps were still there. So I said, Jonathan, we're going to pray again. So I put my hand on his head. We prayed. After a few seconds, we checked. Again, expecting that the rash was going to be completely gone. Guess what? We checked, and the rash was gone. The rash was gone. Amen. And I guess my question for us men is, do we pray for our family regularly? And I don't mean pray in your quiet time or in your thoughts. I mean, grab them, lay hands on them, pray out loud, expecting something supernatural to happen, using the authority that God has given you. That's what the authority is for. 
That's what the authority is for. That's what the authority is for. To heal, to do great signs and wonders among your people, among your family. That's what the authority is for. I prayed for so many people recently to get healed, and, and, and many of them have gotten healed, but nothing compares to when I pray for my kids and they received healing. There's nothing like it. It's like leading someone to the Lord. There is nothing like it. If you haven't led anyone to the Lord in the last year, do it now. You will feel awesome. Nothing compares. And um, a few months ago, I was sharing a story just like this with a group of men. And a man that was listening, you know, he, he tried it out. Uh, his daughter started coming down with fever. And he remembered our story. And so he said, I'm just going to do it. So he laid hands on his daughter, and the fever left immediately. Immediately. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God is still doing miracles. He is just looking for men of faith to use the authority that God has given them to do wonders among their people. I want to be that kind of man. Men full of faith. Number four. Next slide. Full of faith and full of grace. Next slide. And Stephen, full of grace. Listen, man. A man full of grace is one who shows affection to his children and his wife with words and with his body. A man full of grace tells his wife regularly, I love you. A man full of grace regularly hugs and kisses his children and grandchildren. That's what a man full of grace does. Many men excuse the, the lack of physical and verbal affection towards their families because perhaps they themselves grew up with a father who showed no affection towards them. Right? But... Next slide. A man full of grace forgives the past and makes a difference in his generations. Makes a difference in his generations. It is, it is so easy to say, well, I wasn't taught that way. That's easy to say. Or, or my dad never showed me affection. He never hugged me. Or he never said he loved me or he was proud of me. It's easy to say, you know, my dad abandoned me. My dad walked away and, and, or, or my dad never was present with me. That's, that's easy to say. I've said it and I lived in a pretty good home. But Jesus called us to live by a higher standard. I love this verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. And regardless of your earthly father, your heavenly father has given you more love than you could ever deserve. He has given you more mercy and more grace than you will ever need. He has embraced you. He has comforted you. He has led you. 
He has affirmed you. He has showed you companionship. So now I'm all to give out of the grace that was given to me freely to my generations. Freely to my generations. If you're a kid growing up in a home that is not the best in that regard, I'm, I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, forgiving the past will empower you to make a difference in your future. Otherwise, you may find yourself at risk. Listen to this. You may find yourself at risk of repeating the same story with your children. I was debating on whether or not to say this, but I'll say it and then I'll move on so we don't get, I don't get in trouble. Let me just, let me just get on, on, on the man's business a little bit. All right? When was the last time that I hugged my wife or told her that I loved her without any sexual wonderings because my wife needs to be affirmed she needs to be loved she needs to be cared for without any sexual motivations that's a man full of grace a man full of grace all right men of good reputation led by the spirit Full of faith, full of grace, and full of power. Full of power. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power. Full of grace and power. A man full of power is a man, listen to this, with initiative. With initiative. A man who has the strength to be a doer of the word and a doer of his word. Let me say it this way. I wrote it down up there. A man full of power does not delegate the spiritual responsibility of his family to his wife. Oh, I was, I was thinking I was going to get a little bit more, more love from the ladies. Let me just read it again. A man full of power does not delegate the spiritual responsibility of his family to his wife. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Paul said it this way. For the, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23. And here's the kicker as our pastor would say. The word head catches my attention because, listen, it doesn't mean ruler. It doesn't mean governor. It means, next slide, cornerstone. Cornerstone. In other words, the husband is the reference point in the construction of the home. He determines the position 
of the entire structure. I, I just want you to see it because in, in many ways the husband determines the emotional and spiritual well-being of the family. But what happens in our society? We believe that in order to elevate women, we have to minimize the role of men. But the church needs to realize that that's a trap of the enemy. If we want to elevate women, we have to elevate the role of the husband in the home. My wife is empowered to be everything that God call her to be when I am not insecure, but I am secure in who God made me to be in my role. Only then I become what the word husband means, a growler. And I help her grow. She's not my daughter. She's my wife. And I help her grow. I collect all of his dreams, all the words that God has given her, and I empower her to be exactly what God called her to be. But if I am insecure in my men, in my role as a man, then I can't do that. That's when men start putting down women. But if I am secure in who I am in Christ, she wins, and then the family wins. Because then what happens in Christian families, we see it all the time. The mom is the one that, that feels the need to push the family forward. Mom is the one that says, let's go to church, let's pray, let's seek the Lord. And that is sad. Women are the ones who worship more spontaneously, more freely. Women are the ones who serve the most in church, the ones who give the most financially. That is a trap of the enemy. But the men of the Spirit, they do not surrender their power. A man of the Spirit leads his family emotionally and spiritually. A man of the Spirit is really the head of the household, the cornerstone. I see it all the time with my kids. I saw it this morning. My wife was trying to console Jonathan. And he just kept crying, just kept crying. He fell asleep until I hug him. I see it all the time. We need men of the Spirit who do not delegate their spiritual responsibility to their wife. But they take initiative. Uh, one day at noon, I love telling this story. It's one of my favorite stories since I have been a dad. Um, one day I was, uh, I was having lunch in my car, and, and uh, the phone rings, and it was Danielle. It was my wife, and her voice sounded kind of shaky, kind of irritated, trembling. And she said, I need you to come home because... Our middle son, Cyan, whew, he's, he's had one of those days, I don't know what to do. So I put my half-eaten sandwich in the passenger side, and I drove home. And, and on the way home, I, I prayed, and I said, Holy Spirit, t tell me what to do. 
So tell me how to intervene in, 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 in this situation. And, and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, don't go in the house. Bring Zion to the car. All right. So I got home. I got home, parked in the driveway, texted Danielle, said, send Zion out. Here comes Zion, all red, you know, and crying and... He sits on the passenger side, and, and I told Sian, I said, uh, I'm going to finish my sandwich <laughs> while you calm down. So I put some music, some worship music on. I just continue to eat my sandwich and, and, uh, and ju just, just kind of praying, you know, inside. And, um, and when I finished my sandwich, I looked at him, and I said, uh, Sian, what would happen? And he said, I've been disrespectful to mommy. And uh, I said, oh, oh okay. <laughs> he confessed. <laughs> um, and, I, and I said, uh, what do you think we should do? And, and he said, um, I need to say sorry to mommy and listen to mommy. Wow. So I said, okay, let's go do that. So we went in the house and we did exactly that. A miracle, right? <laughs> a miracle. Man, if that's not revival, I don't know what is. <laughs> and um, here, here's my feeling when I think about that moment. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit did what he does best. And, and all I had to do was cry out to him and, and listen to him. Right? And I can assure you that had I not taken the initiative to pray, because I've done that before too, I would have come in the house and made things worse. Right? What, what would have happened? I probably would have gotten angry and joined in the frustration and grabbed the sword and swing it all directions, and I probably would have made things worse. Or I would have said to Danielle when she called me, I'm busy. Don't bother me. I'm at work. Can you see? But you know, I know I haven't been married really long. I've been married almost 10 years this year. And um, after 10 years of marriage, I, I've learned that what my wife really needs is a man full of grace and a man full of power. That's what she needs. With great power comes great responsibility, said bro Brother Ben. <laughs> Reputation. And by the way, man, this, this makes me look like a superman in her eyes. Try it at home this week. You're welcome. Send me a thank you note. <laughs> I'm telling you. Men with good reputation, led by the Spirit, full of faith, grace, and power. This is the kind of men every family needs. Men like these are simply irreplaceable. Are simply irreplaceable. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, and, I, and I'd like the Pastor Wayne to get ready and Pastor Alex to get ready. Because 
what I felt from the Holy Spirit this week is that God has been on a search and that He's ready to anoint men among us to be that kind of men, men who serve and who minister to their families daily. And if you are a young man, not married yet, you're double, double, triple my target because I want you to be a man like this for future generations.